Well, hey, good morning, everybody. So good to see all of you guys. Uh, this is your first time here at Hill City. My name is John Wagler. I'm part of this uh, team here and grateful uh, you are here. Um, hopefully this place becomes a place that you can call home. Uh, and you should be well rested, right? Like that little extra hours. Uh, such a wonderful thing. The only time the extra hour is not a wonderful thing is if you have a young child because they don't know any better. And, uh, and so it's actually the worst. But uh, um, I'm just so happy that you guys are here. Uh, we are in the midst of this um, Revelation series. And so this is week number uh, 10, I believe, of the series. and uh, Or no, week number 11 of the series. And so uh, we'll have this week and then three more uh, after this. And uh, we'll wrap this sucker up. Uh, and so we had a choice either to go about 15 more weeks or just another four. And so uh, we chose four. But uh, so we've been in this. And um, I was reflecting this week of how uh, sometimes like in this story, and in the, with Revelation, because if you're not familiar with the book and you're just hopping in today, don't worry, like, you'll, you'll be fine. Uh, and it's the beauty of the Bible, actually. So it's the last book of the Bible, and, uh, and sometimes it can feel a little confusing, and it's kind of like uh, trying to learn another language, right? Or when someone tries to learn English, how confusing uh, our language is. And it reminded me of this uh, video clip that I saw uh, recently on Instagram. This guy does with the English language and so many different kinds of words. So E-A-R is ear. Yes. And then with an F at the front, fear. And a G, gear. And what about a B? Bear. Bear. What? You know, grr. I know that. I'm talking about the pronunciation. Fear, gear, bear. I just like to keep you on your toes. Sometimes it's ear, sometimes it's air. Right. N, near. P, pair. R, rear. W, where, T, both, both, Tia and Tear. Anyway. And so it's, uh, sometimes when we're in Revelation, like this is what it, it feels like. It can be uh, a little confusing with some of the language uh, that we're seeing. We're like, we're in someone else's context, in someone else's, like, how they talk. And uh, even this past week, uh, Lacey, uh, we were texting, and, and, and she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm 35 pages in uh, to this uh, podcast episode. I was reading the manuscript of, uh, like, Revelation and the stars and how this all works and ancient cosmology. And, and it's like, what am I doing, right? Like, it's like, uh, there's so much in this book. And, and here's why I love the Bible so much. And here's why it's just so incredible. Um, you can go really deep in, the, in scripture. Like you can, it's, you can never stop learning. Like you think you know something and then it's like, oh, there's another little wrinkle. It's a, literally a living, breathing document that just keeps on teaching us and you keep growing in it. And it's so wonderful. Yet at the same time, if you don't know anything about the Bible and you just pick it up and read it, you can learn some stuff. And it's this incredible, incredible writing that is so powerful. Um, that's why I always laugh when people try like chipping away at it or trying to cut down the Bible. It's like, you do know people have been trying to do this for 2,000 years, and it just keeps winning the best book of the year, right? Like, it's like, it happens every single year. So it's so wonderful, and it keeps going and going and going. And this today is no different uh, with Revelation. So if you're not, um, if you're just kind of getting introduced to Christianity or the Bible, like, there'll be something in here for you. Uh, don't worry. Even if nothing else, we've had this line every single week, week which is what? Stay grounded. The gospel works, right? And that's what we center everything on. And, uh, and so, uh, but I do want to give you some nice to knows before we uh, get into this. And so here's the things that are, are nice to know. Uh, 
numbers 7 and 10, they equal completion, all right? And so you'll see um, both of those numbers uh, in the passage today. Um, creation versus uh, decreation. I showed you this uh, last week. Um, and you see this thing that happens a lot uh, in Revelation. And actually it happens throughout the Bible in different ways. But there are ways that we create and kind of enter in kind of what God designs for us. And then we can all decreate as well. And there's a lot of this language in the Bible. And so you see all these things of like light and dark, life and death, kingdom and empire, unity, division, order, chaos. Those things are all kind of woven in. One is about decreating what God already created. And then there's one way to participate uh, in the creation of life. We have water and dragons. We're going to talk a lot about dragons today. And so, uh, uh, but water and dragons uh, equaled chaos, all right, um, back in uh, scripture. And, um, and so there's actually way more dragons than you realize in, in the Bible. And uh, so the term that's, that's used uh, for serpent and snake and sea monster and dragons are all kind of same together. And so if you look at some ancient uh, writings, uh, even outside of biblical texts that came before them, there was a lot of dragons. Uh, there were a lot of like big dragons, a lot of dragon stories um, because of what the dragons represented. And the Bible, again, was written within uh, the same kind of context with ancient mythology and ancient cosmology. And the Bible actually speaks a lot to those things. Sometimes we read it, and we kind of just read it just flat, because why would we know anything about Eucalyptic scripture or uh, um, Babylonian writings or anything like that? And I get it, and when you understand those things. Um, but a lot of times, some of these little phrases that are in there are actually taking like big shots at um, some of these other ancient uh, belief systems. Like, for instance, um, in the Eucalyptic text, uh, there's... Um, these storm gods named Baal, who um, they have these big fights against like the sea gods, Yam, right? And, and these things are happening. They're telling these big stories about um, Baal is like the greatest god, but yet in the Bible we see um, Yahweh uh, defeats Baal. And so you see, now we read it as like, a, oh, this is just another little god, but to the ancient reader, they're like, whoa, 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 Baal is supposed to be the god, and like what, what the Bible would say is like, no, 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 Yahweh is the god. And so you, you see like some of these things that are happening uh, within that. There are seven-headed monsters in ancient Canaanite uh, uh, mythology, and you'll see one of those uh, here today. Um, in Babylonian mythology, you had this uh, sky god Marduk uh, who battles a sea dragon goddess and slices her in half to create sky and earth and water. Okay, so that's like the big creation story. Yet the, the biblical creation story comes in and talks about how God separates the land and water. And so you see all these things that are kind of related in. So it's not just when we read the Bible, and this is why it's so cool, like, and you'll never stop learning if you choose to. Um, it's not just that it's trying to deliver this one simple message. It's, it's this bigger message that's happening to speaking to everyone and what they're involved in. Uh, the Exodus story, all right? So in the Bible, there's Genesis, and then there was what? Good job. And so uh, Exodus is the second book in the Bible, it's one of the most pivotal stories in the entire Bible. In the Jewish faith, it is the most pivotal uh, storyline. And Exodus is actually brought up in Revelation um, more than any other kind of story. Um, this Exodus story where uh, underneath uh, Pharaoh, um, the Israelites are enslaved. Um, uh, later on in, in Scripture, it actually uh, calls Pharaoh a dragon. Okay, and so he's labeled as a dragon, that God defeated the dragon. And so um, Pharaoh is listed as this dragon-like character who enslaves people. And uh, God frees them 
All right, he frees them in this powerful story called uh, the Passover, and they go out into the wilderness, right? Um, and then in the midst of this, they're in the wilderness, and they're headed to uh, the promised land. But before they get to the promised land, um, there's this story, and we'll reference this here in a second, but uh, where uh, God parts the Red Sea. If you remember that story, right? Um, that becomes like a, a significant part of the story. Um, and John will actually reference that story here just through incredible imagery. All right, so, so some of the language that we'll see here today um, is like, you're going to be like, whoa, this feels like another language. But he's trying to tell a deeper and bigger story to us. Um, and when we're just saying this about the goodness of God, this is all going to play in uh, to the same thing. Um, uh, there's this divine council in scripture. How many of you guys have ever heard about the divine council before? Yeah, it's like an interesting thing. Once you see it, it's hard to not see it at different points. Um, but I'll give you an example of what the divine counsel sounds like. In Psalm 82, 1, it says, God presides in the great assembly. This means this gathering of people uh, or beings. And he renders judgment among the gods. So there's some kind of, the Bible references this about five or six different times about this council of gods, um, but that God reigns over them. And I know you must be thinking, that's weird right? Um, especially uh, if you've been in the Bible for a long time. And uh, is it weird? Yes, it is very weird. And, um, but uh, is it interesting? I, I think so. Um, and, and here's why. Because the Bible is consist consistently trying to get us to understand that, man, there's this spiritual realm of things that's going on, and you've got to appreciate it. You don't have to get into all this stuff that we're going to get into today to appreciate the reality that there's some stuff going on spiritually. And that it impacts you. And it impacts me. And that there's this, um, as you'll see, some language here today about in, in the spiritual realm, there's these battles that are happening. And that there's this um, element where they want to devour us and devour truth. And that's part of your life. It's part of my life. Um, you don't, uh, we don't just dictate everything. That There's some other things that are just happening around us. Um, and you can invite certain things into your life that God does not want you to invite in. And so um, it's important to understand some of these things. Like if you guys have seen like, like horror movies or um, movies kind of dabble in the spiritual realm of things, they don't just come up with those things just random. Right? The spiritual realities have been around for thousands of years and people have been uh, talking about them. Um, and then the last thing, uh, again, is just remember that what they were seeing here. We're going to be in Revelation 12. Uh, it's a behind-the-scenes look at everything. All right, so those are your nice to know. All right, let's dig in. Remember, what's our main line? Stay grounded. The gospel works. All right? Revelation 12, it says this. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman... Pen's not working. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was uh, pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Now, um, typically this uh, revelation would have been acted out in front of everyone. And for this chapter, I was like, ooh, what if I had some people act this out like while I was narrating it? And I, I've been wanting to do it in one of the chapters. And I was like, man, this has been bad. This has been a bad one to choose. And, uh, and so, um, but you can imagine this scene, right? If, if this is being read, it's being acted out in front of you. You're immediately drawn into the imagery. You're drawn into the pain. You're drawn into the storyline. And you're trying to figure out, like, who's the woman? Is, is the woman Mary? Maybe. Is the woman the church? Maybe. Is the woman Israel? Maybe. It's like all these, like, it's like so dramatic. And they're drawing us in. And they're trying to tell this bigger story. Again, we don't, we don't like, read like this. We don't talk like this. But, but this, all this stuff was normal to them. All right? So, um, and so they're drawn into this bigger story that's happening about who's this woman. 
Now, um, he's pointing back, John's pointing back to, you know, the story about the, the sun and the moon and, and the stars points back to the story of Joseph, if you've ever heard of Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Uh, that story, uh, it's pointing back to a dream that Joseph had, and he's kind of relating it back to that. But um, one of the other things, too, that we're seeing here is pregnancy um, was also uh, a way for them to describe being in captivity, um, or underneath oppression. And so uh, that's how they would sometimes use that kind of language throughout the Old Testament. And so there's something that's happening where we're feeling like, oh, this is, something's bigger going on here. And John's pointing to something that becomes a little more significant. And so he continues on. Um, and, and he's talking about like, all right, well, where do we get, where does all this captivity and oppression come from? And sometimes we don't think about this in our own lives, but... Um, have you ever felt like uh, you were captive to some kind of way of thinking or acting? Have you ever remember a time in your life where uh, you were like, man, I really want to stop doing whatever this is, but you kept doing it? Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and guess everyone in this room has been there in some capacity. You might be there right now thinking, I just want this to stop, and I feel like I'm being like, held captive by something. Or I feel like, man, there's like an, an oppression in my life of some kind. And, and you felt it, and you, you know it, and you and experience it. And what you're experiencing in those moments is, is some reality of, of what can be sin or evil or something spiritual that's going on around you. Uh, and you're, you're kind of feeling all of those things. And uh, in what this part of the story, what John's kind of referencing, is this idea in Scripture, um, so much of the Bible points back to the creation story quite often, um, but in particular, it points back to Genesis 3 a lot. Uh, and Genesis 3 is the story of Adam and Eve, and they come up to uh, this tree, and they pick a piece of fruit off. And who meets them at the tree? What do we remember? A serpent or a snake, or they would have thought a dragon. Okay, some people thought a dragon of some kind. Um, by the way, they would have thought that that snake uh, or serpent had legs. So you can kind of picture that as a little differently than maybe you do. But um, so a, a serpent like, walks up to them. And, uh, and, and so part of the curse was what he slithers on the ground later. And so, um, but in, in this, what ends up happening is this idea of sin gets uh, introduced to this world and evil and chaos. It's this part of this decreation uh, story. And if you read in Genesis chapter 3, it says this. The woman said, the serpent did what? Mm. This is a big part of what chaos does, what evil does, what sin does. It makes you believe things about yourself that are not true. Every person in this room has experienced a sense of feeling like their false self was the right way to go. And you start believing lies about yourself. You start inviting things into your thinking, into your heart, into your being that God never, ever wanted you to think about yourself. You start seeing yourself in a way that God does not see you. You might see yourself as broken or evil or the worst or a failure or a disappointment. God does not see you that way. It's like, wow, what is that? It's the deception. It's being in the state of being deceived. And so, like, and so he's like, I ate it. And so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed you above all livestock and all the wild animals, you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And here's what he says is going to happen though. 
he will crush your head, meaning someone's going to come and crush your head. To the, he's saying this to the servant. And so then, and you will strike his heel. I mean, there's this battle that's going to go on. Um, how many of you guys know the story of David and Goliath? So I just want you to see the through line of what the Bible does and why it's so cool. Um, in the story when uh, David uh, um, finally kills uh, Goliath, right? Um, what does is, what is he use to kill Goliath? Stones, right? And a little slingshot. And we all love that part of the story and, um, and everything else. And then um, what's really cool about the, the ending part of the story, they describe Goliath's like, breastplate that he's wearing as like snakeskin. And do you guys remember what David does to Goliath? Cuts his head off, right? It's like we don't tell that part in the kids' Sunday school story. Like, and then after the stones, he cuts his head off. He's like, ah, right? Like we don't tell that part. But, um, but that is like what he does. And so, um, but part of that, part of that is this uh, part of the story is relating back to this other story in Genesis. And so they're telling this through line of what God's going to do. And how he's going to like approach all of this and how he wants to encounter evil and that there's battle going on. And so it's important to just understand this, that there's a fight for you. There's a fight for me in uh, understanding that there's this battle that's going on. He continues on and John says this in verse 3. He says, then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so it might devour her child the moment he was born. And so this, this imagery is so incredible, right? Um, and you're like, whoa, is this Mary and Jesus? It's like, should we do this one at Christmas? Right? You kind of open this, this one and be like, all right, kids, like, here we go. And, uh, and so... Um, but this, like, this crazy part of the story, and you're like, man, like, what is, like, really going on here? And, and what we're just starting to see, again, is this battle. He's trying to get us to understand that, man, um, it's not, when we think about evil and sin, it's like nothing to be played with. It wants to devour. It wants to devour. And what's, I want to say it's funny, but what, what we know and have all experienced is, like, we get deceived by sin, right? Because, like, sin is fun, right? We've said this before. If you've not had fun doing sin, you did it wrong when you did it. And so, like, there's, like, a... But there's an element to, to sin that's fun. Um, however, however, um, you realize, you start bumping up to decisions, and you realize, like, oh, this is empty, or this got me in a really bad spot, or this really makes me regret so many things in my life. And you see that it's actually what's not bringing you life, it's decreating the life that's already supposed to be inside of you. And so it wants to devour you. And so it's like understanding, like you don't play around with it. You don't try and see how far you can get or how can we toe the line. It's like we all have stories about when we've done it. And we know what starts to happen. And so he's trying to get us to like feel this and understand the cosmic thing that's happening. All right. Um, part of like why I want to do Revelation. Um, part of the main, one of the big reasons, is, like I want us to like increase our wonder and awe of the realities, the cosmic things happening. Like we get so fixated on uh, just our own personal life, which is fine. Like I get it, um, and we think we're a big deal, which I, I get it. We all do to some kind of degree. Um, but like, there's bigger things happening. And you need to know it, embrace it, and understand it. Because if you don't, sin will devour you. And that's what John's trying to get us to understand. 
And so he's like, hey, this dragon, that's what this imagery, this dragon that's coming, it creates chaos in your life. Um, if you were to picture, you know, a, a dragon um, in this, in this, this is like one of the paintings, one of the more famous um, paintings that was done uh, around this. And it's like, oh, you start seeing imagery like this. And again, it's, it's creating, just trying to get our imagination going. But it's like, if I were to ask you, like, hey, what's a dragon in your life right now? My guess is, is everyone would probably have one. You'd be like, man, there is a dragon in my life. This is what causes chaos in my life. This is what's trying to devour me. This is, and it might be a what or it might be a who. And you have this picture of like, man, this actually takes me away from all the beauty that God has for me. This takes away, and I, and I miss out on his goodness. Like, think about this. If you can't uh, pause and think about, like, hey, where have I seen the goodness of God in my life this week? And you're like, I have no idea. I would just say that the dragon has come and tried to sweep some things away from you. Trying to devour you. Trying to distract you. Trying to deceive you. Trying to cause chaos in your life. And it's like, why? Because there's something bigger that's happening here. He continues on, he says that she gave birth to a son, a male child. Who could that be? Hmm, okay. So we see that this is Mary, right, in this part. But you're going to see, like, the woman kind of goes in and out of several different kind of characters, right? So it's not just Mary. Um, it's bigger than that. Uh, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. That just refers to Psalm chapter 2. It says, uh, and her child was snatched up to God into his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness. Here's part of the story. Um, he's reflecting on everyone would have known the Exodus story in the wilderness, trying to get you to go back to it. Remember the wilderness? Remember the wilderness? Remember, what did God do in the wilderness? He provided. What did God do in the wilderness? He, he did miracles in your life. Uh, what did God do in the wilderness? He um, gave you food, gave you um, everything that you need. He actually was leading you uh, to the promised land. In the wilderness, he uh, disciplined you so that you would get uh, to understand a better view of who he is. So that's all happening in the wilderness. He's trying to get you to understand. So if you feel like you're in the wilderness right now, um, you, we shouldn't pray uh, to get out of the wilderness. What we should do is pray God to see God's goodness in the wilderness so we can experience the fruit of the promised land coming out of it. Too often we're like, get me out of this. Get me out of this. Get me out of this. And God's like, no, no, just hold on a second. This may not be good what you're going through. And maybe you didn't even put it on yourself. But if you see me in this season, I'm going to do something. If, you, if you're with me, and, and listen, if you don't see my goodness yet, then guess what? He's not done with you yet. I was like, come on, just stick with it. He says, uh, for God, for, for where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. All that means, um, it's about three and a half years. What's three and a half, uh, half of? Wait, y'all. What's three and a half, half? Seven. Good job. Man, this is like sad, right? Seven is the number. And um, so here's what, here's what all this means. They're in the wilderness. He's like, for three and a half years, um, that's not complete. That's not your whole life. So don't let your time in the wilderness dictate how you view your whole life. There's an end to it. It's got a shelf life. So it might be painful, or it is painful, and it might be hard, or whatever. It's like, don't let it, um, 
Don't let it be your identity. Don't let it overtake your life. Don't let how you see everything around you. Because here's what will happen. When we think our pain or our wilderness um, or our trauma or our wounds or whatever it is, um, when we think that that's our whole life, our whole identity, and it completes all of us, it colors everything. So yes, um, yes to therapy. Yes to counseling. Yes to identifying wounds. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. But it's three and a half, not seven. That's not completely who you are. That's not your story that God wants you to have. He wants you to see his goodness. He wants to see your, your healing. He wants to understand the victory that you can have. John continues on. He says this. He says, Then war broke out in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. This is why I wanted to act it out, but the other parts were not great. So, um, but he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And so um, it's just given this description of, of like this cosmic battle that's happening. Um, some realities. Is this literal? Probably not. But like it's just like a, um, just describing some realities of the spiritual uh, realm. Uh, he continues on in verse 10. He says this. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven. It says this. Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. And who is that? Jesus. For the accuser, that's an important term that the Bible uses for uh, the Satan or the devil or evil. The accuser is just trying to accuse you all the time. This is who you are. This is, it's your fault. This is who you've done. And you start believing the lies. The accuser. Of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him. Do you see this language? By the blood of the lamb, we talked about that last week, and by the word of their testimony. So this is by the, what Jesus did on the cross and then how they begin to live out what Jesus did on the cross. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens and you, have, you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and to the sea, right? This chaos. Woe to the chaos of life. Woe to the things of this world. Because the devil has gone down to you. He's filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. We just, what John's trying to do is trying to get us to understand. He's like, man, as, as followers of Jesus, like we've got to understand what is at our disposal and what this all means. Like the devil's time is short. Stop believing his lies. The devil gets defeated. Stop acting like he's winning. Like it's not, um, it's trying to get us to have this kind of victory kind of mindset. I actually wrote that down. That This is like one of the most important pieces of this passage. That the end of the story is victory. The end of your story is victory. But when we operate out of the end of my story is defeat. My end of my story is failure. My end of my story is just sadness and despair. And the end of my story is this, it's like you're not operating or thinking from a space that God designed for you. You're believing in the accuser and what he's saying. God does not want that for your life. He doesn't want that for your heart. He doesn't want that for your mind. He doesn't want how you think or act or process the world around you. He wants you to understand that the triumph is there. 
you know, it's interesting, even in this cosmic battle, um, it's like Michael's fighting and all of a sudden it's like he's describing all this stuff, but then he attributes the victory to the people who were faithful, to the people who were not scared and did not shrink away from death. And they stood strong in the midst of chaos, in the midst of evil, in the midst of the unknown, in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of the wilderness. Because those people were like, this does not complete my life. This is not my complete story. There's something bigger that's actually happening around here. Verse 13, he continues on, he says this, uh, when uh, the dragon saw uh, that he had been hurled uh, to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman who was given the two wings of a great eagle is just referencing back to the story of Exodus. When it's described that God saves his people on eagle's wings so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she, where she should be taken care of for a time, times time and a half, out of the serpent's reach. Do you guys know that sometimes the wilderness is the best place we can be at because it's actually not just a place of maybe discipline, um, but it's a place where it's actually God protecting us from what actually put us in the wilderness in the first place. So that space you might be in, in the wilderness, and you feel it, might be the greatest thing in your life. And God's like, I want you here so I can protect you. I want you here so I can move you into the promised land. I want you here so you can see who I am and see what I'll do in the midst of this. And he ends with this. He says, then from his mouth, the serpent spewed water like a river. And here's that language about chaos. To overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by uh, uh, opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. Who is that? That is the church. Those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. And so what John's describing here, um, he's going back to the Exodus story, actually. And he's, and he's saying... Um, uh, the language that's used is uh, they have this dragon language for Pharaoh and then they go into the sea and there's the parting of the Red Sea. Uh, but what it actually talks about, there's language that's used that um, as, as God's people pass through, God devours their enemy as the, as the water comes like rushing back through. And so John's trying to get them to understand and remember that story, but he's trying to also point them to this thought that we're at war with an enemy that wants to defeat us. That there is this thing that's happening. And um, the Bible consistently talks about this stuff a lot. You know, Paul in Ephesians 6, you know, he talks about, um, you know, this, this idea of like, uh, that we're in this spiritual battle, this spiritual warfare. Your enemy's not another person. There's something else that's going on throughout all of this. And even when you think about a snake, right? A, a snake... Uh, snakes don't like come in like through a door and like hey I'm here right what do they do they they slither they hide they pounce right and that's what that's why that language is there to get us to like feel like this is how it works this is how evil works sin works it's like it's not being like hey I'm sin come do me right like it's not what it's like it's like no it slithers it, it does all these different things and it works our way into our lives but what it's trying to do is kill us, to decreate, 
to take away the life that God has had for us. And so Paul, when he's talking about spiritual warfare, he talks about all these different things. He's like, man, we can battle with truth and faith and righteousness and the gospel of peace. And then he goes in verse 17, he says, like, then the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's like, we can fight in this. Not other people, but we can fight in this. We, there's a battle that we can win in this. As we were saying earlier, because does God lose? No. And we have to embrace that as our identity. Uh, Laura, you can come up. I think a question that we've got to, <laughs> and it's a weird question, I guess, but uh, it's almost like who do you want to partner with in the story? Do you want to partner with the dragon or no? Are you willing to go to the wilderness and trust God in it or no? But it's like really trying to figure out, man, where am I seeing the reality of a dragon in my life? And how am I allowing it to try and sweep me away? How am I allowing it? And listen, the dragon could be so many different things. Again, it can be a, a bad habit. It can be a person. It can be work. It can be money. It can be a hobby you have that has overtaken your life that you actually neglect relationships. It can be a trauma. It can be um, a deep pain. It can be so many different things. But what story do you want to buy into? The one of the accuser or the one that says you have victory? And we have a choice. We have a choice. Um, we're going to take communion here uh, together. And so um, if you could take your communion elements out. If you did not grab communion and you would like to take it, um, no pressure if you don't want to take it. But uh, if you like communion and you didn't grab one, just raise your hand and someone will bring one to you. Chris, we got one up here. Another one over here, Chris, to my right. Your left. Stephanie, up here, up front row. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to get the elements ready and, I, and, and so you can take them out. And I just want you to hold them in your hand for a second. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, um, hey, before you do this, um, first understand what you're doing. When we talk about you know, like the blood of the lamb, this reality of Christ's death on the cross. Like, this is what we're remembering in this moment. This is the center point. This is why the gospel works. This is why we can stay grounded. This is why we, uh, as Christians, believe in the reality that we don't have to believe the lies of the accuser because we have a, a Jesus who died on the cross and resurrected from the dead that gives us victory. So this is what we remember. Um, but then he says, hey, but I also need you to take a minute and make sure your heart's right. And so I want you guys to bow your heads and maybe there's something to confess or repent or just something that God's put on your heart that, before we take it together. I just want you to deal with that.
So God, this morning, um, we hold this bread and we hold this juice in our hands and this bread uh, represents your broken body. represents the suffering, the pain, um, the beating that we can feel in our own lives, the wilderness moments. But it also allows us to know that you're with us in them every step of the way. So go ahead and eat the bread. And this blood represents, I mean, this juice represents the blood on the cross for the forgiveness of sin, for the establishment of a new hope a new promise, a new life, a new creation that we can be in you. Go ahead and drink the juice. God, I pray that um, pray that we will actually want to embrace that the end of our story is victory. that is our mindset because that's actually where hope comes from and uh, it's a, a real hope a, a lived hope a, a way for us to, to make sure that um, that we operate out of a space that we're not believing the lies of the enemy but we trust in the story of Jesus and his death and resurrection, and we trust in the story of Jesus that gives us hope in the midst of our pain and suffering. We trust in the story of Jesus that is like, he wants life inside of us, a full life inside of us, so we don't believe the lies that the deceiver is trying to present before us. And then we start seeing your goodness, God. We start seeing how you've been so faithful to us along the way. And when we can say, like, with all that I have, with all that I'm able, I, I will be able to sing and know and believe in the goodness of who you are. Um, but God, I know that's not everyone's story in here, and everyone's in different spaces and everything, and that's part of the journey, and we know that. But God, they would know that the end of their story, the end of my story, is victory in you. And we give this to you in your name. We pray, everyone said, amen. A um, couple quick things. Uh, one, uh, hey, good job on the first go around on the share offering. Uh, um, we had, uh, I think it might have been the largest first week that we've had ever um, around it, and so, um, which is exciting. And, uh, and so, um, but we've got, we're going to keep it open for a couple more weeks. And, and uh, again, the share offering, we just ask everyone to give one day's wage, and we have all these partners that we give all this money to. And, uh, and so if you haven't participated yet, um, uh, please do so. If you, the QR code on your chair will take you right to that. Um, and then these are all the partners, and there's this QR code um, up there as well. But uh, we partner with all these organizations, and so your generosity tells a whole different story. Uh, your generosity um, helps thousands of people in this city and beyond. 
um, it's incredible what's, what comes out of this share offering. And so um, if you haven't done it yet, um, please do so. Um, uh, if you're new here, we'd love to meet you. Um, there's also, like, if you want to join the team and learn about, like, how to get involved here and serve here, um, we'd love to talk with you about that. You'll see the sign that's over there. Um, if you'd like prayer, there'll be um, people on uh, either side of us as well. Um, and, uh, hey, next week we'll be in Revelation 13. Uh, we're going to talk about 666 and all that stuff uh, next week. So um, it'll be super fun. So uh, uh, it'll be fun. So anyway, guys, love you all so much. Have a great rest of your Sunday. We'll see you next week.